2: Rest! You have some skill, but not enough to save you! That's funny. I was about to say the same thing to you. Welcome Masters and Padawans to episode 205 of Full of Sith. I am Mike Pilot and with me are my co-hosts, Holly Bry and Brian Young. And uh, Holly and Brian, I have to tell you, it was a quite an amazing episode last week. I had a lot of a lot of fun listening to it and hearing about the planets and all that stuff, and then I heard a lot from a lot of people that they enjoyed the episode this week. So bully to you. Uh, what
0: planet would you live on, Mike?
2: Hoth. Really? I don't like heat, so a lot of those a lot of the planets are out. Plus, there's hardly anybody there, so I like that. Maybe a, a or two will come on my property every once in a while. That's that's okay. I like the cold. I like the,
0: I like being alone. You've been thinking about that a lot. There was no hesitation in your voice whatsoever. There.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I was listening to the show, and I'm like, well, Coruscant would be really cool because everything's like digital and cool and futuristic. And Naboo is very beautiful this time of year, but. There's Nabooians and everybody else on that damn planet. So yeah, Hoth. Nobody. That rubble base is gone. I would have all that room to myself. I could like put all my stuff up and have different rooms, and it just makes sense to me. Yes, I'm an antisocial person.
1: So cold.
2: <laughs> I like the cold. Like I don't I even know. wear a jacket in the winter time.
0: Well, uh, that that answers that question. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode, though, Holly I and I. Uh, had a lot of fun putting it together, even though we were both pretty convinced it was going to be a disaster. Why?
1: Well, because um, it's just
0: us being our loopy selves. I wow. think Holly and I both suffer from imposter syndrome. So, like, everything we do, even how no matter how awesome it might be, we're just like, man, we really screwed that up, didn't we?
2: <laughs> no. I think he's always doing a good job together. It's quite the listen. It's very entertaining. Well, Huzzah. do you want to address the elephant in the room right away, Brian, that you're bullying Holly all the time?
0: <laughs> um so, I, uh, it's been brought to my attention that Holly proclaims a lot that she's a terrible person Which and that she is. my stock hilarious response is, well, you are, but not for that. Uh, and a couple of listeners thought that maybe we were being serious. I don't actually think Holly's a terrible person, but we have a relationship as such that, uh we joke around about each other being terrible people all the time. Isn't that right, Holly?
1: Yes, I. it kind of cracked me up when you said that people had said that was not cool because to me, like, that's just how our friendship is. We play a little bit rough with each other. Um, and I have never once felt that you were being mean. And I legitimately think I'm a monster. So it's cool if you back me up. Well,
2: off. like I said earlier, I think, you know, people were, they like you and they were sticking up for you. But in fairness to those people, Brian actually did just bully you because he said, am I right, Holly, which is oh. a bullying way to get a response from somebody.
0: Well, no, but, but we also had discussed this before we started rolling and she had already pre-agreed to this, like without, my-
2: I'm just pointing out little, little statements and words. Yeah. <laughs>
1: For the record, I felt in no way under duress when I made my response. Yeah, it's very sweet that people would be concerned, but, uh, yeah, no, I did not feel that way at all, so.
2: And P.S., Holly's a terrible person, so. Right? In all fairness to Brian. Monster.
0: Monsters, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like, where on a scale of monsters, though? I mean, is she, like, Borgullet Gullet, or like a Wampa, or like, full-blown Rancor? She's a Mike Wazowski.
1: <gasps> I love Mike Wazowski. See? Um. Hey, but in the you're in the Star streams again, I know, right? In this, I was trying to think of what monster I would be in the Star Wars universe, and it can't be any of the really cute fuzzy ones because they all seem to be on cold planets that I don't want to live on.
0: Yeah, they're they're huggable, right? Yeah. So, which one would it be then?
1: I don't know. And as I sit here thinking this, I'm looking at my plush Tauntaun named Tabitha, and her best friend, a plush Wampa named Sweet Clyde. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> These are great names.
1: I'm not as cute or
2: sweet as either of them, so I don't know what monster I would be. Do you think you could take a Wampa? Like, if it was a life or death situation, do you think you could take it? No! Them? No? No! Would you just lay down and die and be eaten, or would you at least give some fight? She'd so try to cuddle my, it first.
1: That's exactly it. I was going to say, my best shot at surviving a Wampa would be to befriend it.
2: Yeah? Say, hey, guy, how you doing? I'm Holly. I'm
1: I would try to use my nominal skills and knowledge in animal behavior, mm. and try to um, you know calm it and soothe it and make it my friend.
2: What about you, Brian? Um, well, actually, let me rephrase the question to you. Do you have the heart to take out a Wampa? If no. I was putting you at
0: a, you know, I don't know. Danger. If it were like, if I had, I don't know. I'm not. A, I, uh, as you know, Mike, I'm a coward. No, you're a pacifist. So, so uh, well. I mean, those are synonyms to some people. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to hurt an animal, but if it was trying to kill me, I'd probably, like, kick it and try to run away.
2: <laughs> like, kick it in its unmentionables or, or like, a
0: karate kick?
1: <laughs> like a Miss Piggy, hi Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> no, it would be, like, a full, like, drop kick, like, from the top ropes. <laughs>
1: nice. I also imagine the answer would change versus, like, in a situation of if it were a t- attacking you versus if it were attacking your children
0: um i mean i'd probably grab the kids and then try to kick it and then try to run (laughs) i would say Uh, run
2: kids and then i'd get in the way and then we'd see what happens
0: i mean why couldn't i fight like a loath cat because that's not what i asked i don't i I would be a loath cat like that's the sort of animal in the star wars universe i would be i would be a loath cat okay all right or a tuca possibly even a convor but probably a loath
2: I can see it, Brian.
0: I just want to lay in the sun and meow. Mm. No sun.
1: Well, you can do that now. You don't have to be a loath
0: cat. cats have way less responsibility than I do.
2: I'm gonna have to message
0: Anakin later and ask if his dad was laying in the sun meowing. That's that's Scout. Scout does that. Not not me. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Mike, do you think you could take a wampa?
0: I do. I do. You do? Yeah, I do.
2: I th- I have. I think I like I, where to the movies. I'd say, let's go see, you know, Rogue One. It was amazing. You probably didn't see it yet. I don't know. I think I would put up a decent fight, but they're very tall, very powerful, very muscular, very clawy. I'd yeah. push on you out of the way and say, run, and then sacrifice myself. But I'd
0: bite real hard, and it would be injured for a little while. I'm worried that I would try to take it. It would maul me, and then I would be too big to fit into the back to tank. Yeah. No.
1: You could fit in the back to tank. I don't
0: know. If it was for me, it had to be a really big
2: tank. So I don't know. It's the the back to spa. I had a conversation with some friends a long time ago, and I said I could take a mountain line. So every time I think about other things, I just was curious if you and Holly thought you could like stand up to a wampa. Nope. All right, I got my answers. I appreciate it. Thank you for your your non bullying and very serious answers to my question.
0: I would not want to be in a situation where I'd have to take a Wampa anywhere. Not even to the store. Not even to the store. I mean, it would be problematic. How would you fit a Wampa in your Mini?
2: I got a truck. I throw him on the back.
0: Plus, I'm on Hoth. I wouldn't have my Mini with me. I'd have a Tauntaun. You couldn't even fit Dak in the back of your speeder. No.
1: <laughs> you could be riding your Tauntaun and... Hold the Wampa's hand while
0: it walked next to you. Yeah, we'd be almost at the same level. Like,
1: yeah.
2: Hey,
0: yep. This sounds like a Rankin Bass Christmas special. This, that's, that's kind this of is turning into. That's
1: kind of what I'm picturing as well, and it's quite delightful, I must say.
0: I don't know the reference. What's a Rankin Bass? Rankin Bass is the company that produced like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, those like,
2: claymation cartoons. Uh, okay, like the Frosty ones and stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. I had no idea what that was. They also produced the Lord of the Rings cartoons. You know yeah. what? They were
2: on TV about a month and a half ago on one of the Upward channels, and I didn't know what what I was watching at first. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. It's like animation, but with real like was there real motion capture? Like real people put into the animation for certain things?
0: Uh, that was Ralph Bakshi actually, and and it was uh, he was. It was a really interesting animation style, but yeah, they would film actors. Like when the orcs would, would be talking or in the background moving around, it looked like real stuff. Yeah, it was very interesting, you know, and and connection to Star Wars, uh, Anthony Daniels was the voice of Legolas in that version of the yeah. story.
2: Yeah, I saw that on IMDb. Because really, when I first turned the channel, I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> and it was like three o'clock in the morning, so it was just really weird. But no, we have a lot to talk about today, Brian. What are we
0: going to talk about first? Uh I kind of forgot there's so much. Well, we could talk about the uh the packaging. Yeah. The Force Friday, Force Friday's announcement and the packaging that they released.
2: Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that.
0: Um so Toy Fair is coming up this weekend and so naturally there's going to be things leaking uh or not leaking so much. I mean, it's Toy Fair. It's a convention to show all this stuff off. But they announced that Force Friday would be happening on September 1st of this year. Uh It's weird that they're calling it Force Friday 2, as though we didn't have one for Rogue One.
1: We were talking about that at our house, too, because uh, my husband had said, like, didn't we do Force Friday for Rogue One? And the only thing I could think of is that they didn't really brand it that way, like, from Lucasfilm. Like, yes, there was a Midnight Toy release, but they didn't have, like, the countdown clocks in Toys R Us, at least not ours, and all of the stuff that had led up to the release of the Force Awakens toys, so...
0: I guess I was always paying attention to my own countdown clock, so it just right. felt the same.
2: Me too. Yeah, I remember distinctly hearing you talk about the things that you just got that night.
0: Yeah, and I was out there at midnight, and there was toys, and I bought some and spent way too much money. And Yeah, no, it's weird that this is... but So anyway, Force Friday 2, and uh, they gave us a look at what the packaging scheme for this uh, Force Friday, or all of the Episode 8 the last Jedi merchandise is going to look like mm-hmm. uh, and Ray is front and center and her hair is down yeah mm-hmm. tell me about that tell you uh, about it like why they did it that way because I don't know well no I'm just saying like speculate what do you think about this isn't it great that Ray is front and center on the packaging this time instead of her having to be some weird like dirty little secret like she don't tell the boys the girls in charge. I don't know. I think
2: with her <laughs> with her hair down and that look on her face, it just looks like she's matured a bit and she's a little more sure of herself. She's gone through a lot and now she's ready to be a hero.
1: Yeah.
0: There was definitely some speculation on the internet that I liked quite a bit that could just be idle speculation, but the idea that through Force Awakens, she keeps her hairstyle exactly the same way so that and her clothes and dress the same way while she's on Jakku so her family can recognize her when they see her but now she's a bit beyond that. And so yeah. her dress and her hair are able to be different and she doesn't have to worry about that because that, that belonging she sought was ahead and not behind.
2: I think I get the rationale behind that, but she was a young, young, young girl when they left and doesn't matter what she wears now. I mean, just because she wore something similar to what she wore back then, that doesn't make any sense to me.
0: So if you dropped Anya off, in like clothing and a certain hairstyle, and then like left her for ten years, and then you came back and saw someone that was like vaguely similar, and wearing the exact same clothes. Or I would the say same clothes. You wouldn't. You just.
2: I would say, as the fashionista Anya is, it would never happen because she would be totally <laughs> changing her look every few years.
1: Well, well, but it's worth keeping in mind too that it's not like she had a lot of other humans to model her look after while she was on Jakku. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So maybe to her, like that's just how humans do their hair and dress. Like it didn't occur to her to venture out into different fashion options. I mean, we're talking about fashion on Jakku, which is a weird thing anyway. But
0: what what is it? What do you, what have you divined about fashion on Jakku generally? Just watching Force Awaken awakens a trillion times.
1: Um, personally, don't bother because it's just going to get filthy anyway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they have much bigger
2: problems to worry about, and I think what they're wearing is the last thing on their mind, as long as it's protecting them from the sun.
1: That's exactly it. All clothing is really utility versus personal expression, for the most part.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think they could do with some more, like, wampa skin or, like, wampa fur. Like, no, that would be way too warm.
2: Yeah, it'd be really hot. I think more more importantly, or more interesting to me with the packaging is, what are Finn and Poe? What are they looking at?
0: Something off camera.
2: Yeah, but I mean, they look pretty serious and something coming from both sides and, and from the front. They're getting attacked from all sides and they're in the triangle formation to protect their backs.
0: I Well, I mean, Finn needs to protect his back better.
2: Well, yeah, he uh, did a horrible <laughs>
0: job with that.
1: Right. And Finn's um, awake. We know Finn wakes up like he's
2: okayish. Yeah, and the packaging he's not laying there on the table.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he looks more active than I would have expected someone with that sort of spinal injury. Um, And he was wearing the same jacket, which I found odd, too, which is like, did he really like that jacket so much he had it repaired? Did he get a new jacket? It was
2: the first thing ever given to him as a gift or that he owned on his own.
0: It's like Dobby with his sock. I know, but Kylo Ren cut it in half, just like his spine. You could sew leather back together. That's I'm true. just saying, it better reflect that in the production. Oh, yeah. You can't game. have a, like, a brand new looking jacket. It has to be scarred as
2: well. I hope. We'll never know by this packaging because he's facing <laughs> forward, but he's looking to the left. And even when even when
0: they put him in the actual toy, we won't know because his back will be to the card.
2: Yep. Guess that's gonna be one I'll have to open.
0: You're gonna open all of them.
2: Do you think that would be reflected in the packaging? Like in the in the the action figure
0: itself? Uh yeah. I mean the costumes are always pretty accurate on yeah. the the action figures, right? I yeah. mean like uh
1: Yeah, even it's, if it's not like super accurate, there's usually some representation of all of the design elements.
0: Yeah. And that seems like it would be pretty important, right? Like the giant stitch across his back, or maybe, maybe his back will be different. Maybe that happened to be the perfect jacket because he had some big cybernetic like implant over his spine that he has to wear that, you know, the jacket got cut in the exact same spot, so it was just perfect, and it fits around the, the apparatus he's got now. Well, I
2: think that the the significance of the jacket was he was going to give it back to Poe, and Poe said, no, you keep it. It looks better on you, and it's the jacket that actually saved him from death. Like, it <laughs> absorbed some of the lightsaber, and he didn't get hurt as bad as he could have. And that's the significance of a friend giving you something that saved
0: you. I think that's giving... Abrams a little bit too much credit. Well, we'll see.
1: Indeed, September first.
0: September first. That's right. Well, September first, we'll know about the the jacket yeah, yeah. The movie yeah. not so much. I feel like um, you you both heard the news that John Williams is like in the midst of scoring Episode eight now, right? Yeah. Yes. And doesn't that kind of tell you that like Ryan Johnson's way ahead of schedule? Like he's he's going to have this movie ready for like the May fifteenth release for the 40th anniversary of star Wars and Lucasfilm is just like, no one's going to have anything to do on it because it's just going to be done.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. That huh. seems like a long walk to me to, in terms of logic.
0: I think you're giving Ryan Johnson too much credit. Well, well, there's two things. One, when, when Ryan Johnson was hired, his original release date was in May, right?
1: Oh, that's true.
0: And for two, when John Williams has been getting involved with Star Wars movies, it's always in the last month or two, right? And it's February. Yeah, it is. So having the film done by May, like you can't, you can't have John Williams score a movie if it's not close to done. You know, yes, there will be some composite effects, and yeah, those things, he has special to see. effects and yeah. stuff. But it's February.
2: Like maybe we'll get a nice present and Force Friday. Being announced was just a ruse and we'll get a May release. Um it just broke the internet. I'm kidding. That's not gonna happen.
1: No, it's not. Uh well, didn't I read oh, and I don't know where, so I'm I'm kind of talking out of the side of my mouth at this point. Uh something about the fact that Ryan Johnson wanted to edit to the score as much as possible, rather than the score yeah. being written over the finished or close to finished edit. So it could just be that right, it's more collaborative than than is standard for most films in that regard. Interesting. Um, in terms of the editing and the music kind of happening simultaneously.
0: Yeah, no, I know you're I mean, yeah, but that's still we still got months, and he's got. I mean, he's got almost a year left before this. I the point, no matter when it ha- if it happens in May or if it happens in. November, it feels like Ron Johnson's going to have this movie done way sooner than J.J. Abrams did. Like, it doesn't seem like you haven't heard anything about all kinds of crazy reshoots. You haven't heard anything about um, any problems with the movie. Bob Iger just came out and said he saw a rough cut and thought it was amazing at their last shareholders meeting. Like, that's super early for a movie of this size and scale, isn't it?
1: It does seem way ahead of the curve.
0: But you're right, though. Initially, it
2: was supposed to be May, so. If he already had a shooting schedule in mind and everything ready to go, maybe yes. you're right. I don't know. I think you both make interesting points.
1: But then there's the thought of, like, the agony of of considering that a finished episode 8 is lurking out there in the world and we can't have it. Oh, that's cruel.
0: Yeah. No, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. It's just like, you mean Ryan Johnson's going to finish this thing? And, uh... <laughs> we're just not going to be able to look at it. Can you imagine how difficult that would be for him to just be like, yeah, it's done. I'm working on something else. No,
2: nah, I sometimes I get excited about putting the post up on Facebook and nobody seeing it fast enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then he'll have lots of time. Ryan Johnson, uh, being whom talking about to make more of his Instagram baking videos.
2: Maybe that's the whole point. Maybe he's trying to get star Wars out of the way just so he can get back to doing that on a regular basis.
1: Uh, I want, I want to film myself making custard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He's gotten a big head. No, I'm kidding. There you go. <laughs> and my comment about giving him too much credit was just a reflection of what Brian said about J.J. Abrams. I don't know Ryan Johnson from Adam. I never met him, so I don't know what his worth ethic is like. Just wanted to make that clear before I got an email about it.
0: <laughs> um, but regardless, I think we're in for a treat. And I that's got to be like, that's going to be really like a lot better for people working on star Wars, right. To have everything done more quickly and you don't have to worry about that last minute rush.
2: Yeah. I I think, I think the, the thing about this upcoming force Friday, that has been more exciting to me about the one, the year that the force awakens came out was yes, we didn't really know much and we're going to get some toys and we're going to see some, some people from the movie and some cool stuff. But like now we know force awakens, we know what happened. And now, we kind of have an, it's not, it's a different not knowing. We have an idea of what's happened in the past and we want to see what happened, what happened to Finn, what happened to Ray and Phasma and Kylo Ren. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, little yeah. more, a little more at stake this time.
1: We're, well, we're pre-invested.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now this idea that the movie finishes way earlier could have a potentially interesting tie-in to Force Friday in that uh, we may not have a scenario like we had with the Force Awakens, where we all thought Zuvio was going to be a thing because he showed up everywhere, <laughs> and then he wasn't because they were still editing the film. So we may not have those kinds of issues pop up if he is in in fact done far earlier than than. Neither. I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe Poe Dameron is uh, maybe Poe Dameron. They're overstating his uh, <laughs> his presence. His presence. <laughs> I mean, like it's funny. I think on the packaging that they're trying to make him part of a trio. And he was kind of not in a whole lot of Force Awakens. He was there, but not... Well, it would have
2: been like if it was Leia, Luke, and Lando as the trio. Like, Lando's around, Lando's doing things, they work together, but it's not like the three of them together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll be with them more this
0: movie.
1: Maybe. That would be just fine by me.
0: So... We talked probably way more about that packaging than someone probably should have. It was funny. I was at the the screening for Logan the other night, and uh, my editor at City Weekly was sitting in front of me, and someone asked me what I thought about the packaging. And I said, well, there's three interesting things that I think we can learn from the packaging. And he turned around and he goes, like, you need to stop that sentence right <laughs> now. It was, uh, it was Scott Renshaw who was on the show. He wrote that uh, Happy Place book. Yeah. Um Funny. He was just like, there's nothing to say about that packaging. And I was like, well, there's a couple of interesting things. And he's like, just stop or you're fired. Wow. Um, I didn't stop, though. Nevertheless, I persisted. Good for you. You
2: want to talk about Rebels this past week? Yes. And which this past week
0: or the one that airs today as we're recording?
2: Well, when they hear this, it will be the past week.
0: Okay. Yeah, the one that's going to be on tonight. Did you watch it, Holly? Yeah. So I didn't,
2: I actually was back to work this week and missing like a week of work. I was very far behind on everything, things at work, things at the house, just other projects. So my week was very full. And I texted you guys this morning, like, are we going to talk about Rebels? Because I'd like to know what happened. So I got to fit it in. The girls went to the grocery store and I sat in the parking lot and I watched it. And I have to say, I, I, I can't wait to get done with this episode, not because I'm done talking to you two fools, but because I want to see it on my big screen instead of my iPhone. Because I bet it's beautiful. I bet it's, like, incredibly
0: beautiful. Yeah, this episode is very good looking. Um, it is
1: very pretty.
2: Speaking of, like, the snow, hearing the snow, you know, all The that. cracking
0: ice beneath their feet during the fight yeah. was yeah. really incredible. Like, I, I think the animation... Joel Aarons and, and the, the visual effects and the crew on Rebels has really stepped it up a notch from everything they've done before, which is pretty astounding because it was already pretty amazing. Um, even little things like footprints in the snow, I imagine being like almost a headache, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, why do we have to do this on a snow planet? They're going to need snow, you know, snow and footprints, and that's going to be a pain. But they did it, and it looked really good. There's a, yeah. a shot from over top where the steps are
2: to see where people were walking off from. And I'm like, well, they have jetpacks. Why are they even walking in the snow? But save fuel. it doesn't bother me the way that the pattern was laid out. It looked like there were people coming and going this way, and there might have been some fresh snow. And I just really liked with this episode that sometimes with Rebels or Clone Wars, you can kind of guess how the episode's going to go halfway through. give an idea of what's going to happen. And for a little while in this episode, I really didn't know which way things were going to go.
0: Yeah, there was definitely some uh, toss-ups there about yeah. how things were going to shake out. Where was the Countess Ursa Wren going to uh, where was she going to land on on things? Where was Fenrau <laughs> going to come in? Where was uh, Gar Saxon going to come in if he was going to come in at all? Is that something that they were building for later or were they going to resolve that now? Yeah. Who's going to end up with the Darksaber? There were a lot of questions going into this and I think the ending the ending might be a little divisive for for some people,
1: yeah, for sure. uh I will say in along those lines, <laughs> my notes, because I like to just take quick notes if we're going to talk about a thing, so I don't forget stuff, uh regarding Countess Ursa were kind of hilarious because I would write like my assessment of her next to her name, but I kept having to scratch it out and write something different as things progressed, which was kind of funny huh.
0: what would what were the sort of things you were writing down?
1: Well the first thing was the b word. And
0: then- <laughs> born? You went straight there.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well because uh I didn't I didn't write something like the second I saw her. I was kind of trying to puzzle it out and then when it looked like she was betraying Sabine that's when I wrote that. And then I scratched it out and wrote hmm h m m m and then I scratched that out and there were question marks. And then I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs>
0: Those are your notes. That's just like a...
1: On my uh, assessment of her as a a character, yeah.
0: (laughs) I had a feeling
2: with Sabine's brother, either he was going to get killed or he was going to be the one that shot... What's his face? I can't remember his name. Gar Saxon. Yeah. But then with mom doing it, she was just protecting her little cub, and I thought that was sweet. And all the the mean uh, stuff between a mother and a daughter that happens sometimes. I have a wife and a daughter. I see how things are. I see how agreements and disagreements go. I thought that was very nice.
0: I thought they were going to kill Sabine there for a second.
1: I did too. I was scared. No, I didn't get
0: that. Filoni's really good. You mean the whole scene where they set it up, where there's the gunshot, and you don't know if she got shot, and then it turns, and She's there's Gar Saxon. She... Seen... She's Sabine. She ain't dying. I really like the design on her jetpack. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny how they just disable it as quickly as possible every time she gets into a situation <laughs> yeah. with it. It's like every single time. <laughs> But, uh, no, I it, it the episode as a whole, I think, was great. And I think the divide, um, and don't, I mean, obviously, we're talking about the newest episode of Rebels, so there's probably going to be some degree of spoilers here. But if you haven't watched it, especially, I think we've talked about it in general terms, terms enough up into this point that uh, we haven't given anything away. But right now, I'm going to say something that, like, uh, point of no return here. I think there's a, going to be a lot of fans upset that it's it looks like at this moment, at the end of this episode, that she's leaving the show.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm sure there will be people whose reaction is that, but I I kind of had that moment of oh no, I love Sabine, but I mean it's Rebels and it's uh you know a Felony Project, and if we've learned anything, it's that anyone can come back.
0: Well, and the other thing is is that I think. I think this is a very on-purpose thing. I think there's two things at play here that make me believe that this is not the case, that she's not leaving the show and that more Mandalorians will find their way into the fabric of the rest of this season and next. Um, One, Katie Sackoff said that she'd done more Bo-Katan voicing at a convention like a year ago. I remember that. Yeah. Right? So when Sabine takes off and says, we've got to find the person who can wield the Darksaber and lead Mandalore, who else do you think of? But Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan.
2: yeah, that's what I thought when she said that.
0: So that that implies that maybe they actually go find her, and we'll see that through the course of these these episodes. Um, so that's one. For two, I think that it's strategic on the part of Felonian crew in setting up the um, in setting up the uh, the way the final battle is going to go down that what other way are they going to be able to get reinforcements to survive against Thrawn? Oh, right. And not have them not have it feel cheated. Like, Oh, it's a deus ex machina. Like they're just going to show up and, and
2: it would be like, it would be like Gandalf coming over the hill in Lord of the Rings to save the day.
0: Yeah. Mandalorians. The, the, um, it, it, it would be, it would be that, but, but they've set it up, right. They would deserve that, right. It would be, Definitely, Gandalf coming. You know them looking to the east, and Gandalf coming over the ridge with the Riders of Rohan. Yeah, and uh, I think that by having Sabine not with the group, it makes sense for her to not be put in the situation where she's pinned down with them. So that when she shows up, it'll make perfect sense. Yeah, I I thought that that was a really good way for her to go because she's
2: been estranged from her family for all this time, and she feels like she's even though she knows she didn't, she feels like she's abandoned her people and. She wants to come back and she wants to bring Mandalorians together and and make everything better. So I think that she is better served there rather than just going on these crazy little adventures every week and, and really not getting many lines. And maybe I know that wouldn't matter in real life if she was a real person, but you know what I'm saying. Well,
1: it says uh, a lot for storytelling to be willing to, uh, you know, not always do like the easy crowd-pleasing move like it would be great if you're like yay i'm cool with my family now and i can go back to fighting the rebellion like this this puts a lot more uh i don't know if reality is the right word but you know there's there's a little bit more heart heartstring tugging like life is not always clean and simple and it doesn't wrap up like every event of your life does not wrap up in in the ideal way
2: 22 minutes yeah Mind us, every 22 minutes, my life is wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm set.
0: Wouldn't that be something? It would be.
2: Ugh. But I know, I just, do you think there's going to be a huge void to fill for Sabine? Or do you think they'll bring somebody in to fill that void? Or do you think that it just will be what it is?
0: We've only got, what, like five episodes left this season, yeah. six tops? Yeah. Like, I think she's going to go find Bo Katan and she's going to show up and it's just going to be, like, I don't think we're going to notice her gone, especially since. Um, the last two episodes are, are the, the Thrawn attack, and then leading up to that, we're dealing with the Darth Maul Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. Like, I don't think anybody's going to be going like, hey, we're missing Sabine in this Ezra Kane and Darth Maul Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. episode. I think
2: the other thing for me at the beginning of this episode, there wasn't anything like them leaving you know, them leaving the ghost and everybody saying goodbye and see you soon and stuff like that. Then, then maybe I would have thought that Sabine was going to get killed or something, but it didn't have any of that in the beginning to make me think something bad was going to
0: happen to her. But isn't that also a sign of good storytelling in that it's got that realism where you don't get to say say goodbye to people you're losing?
2: Absolutely. No, I agree.
1: Oh, I do not envy uh, Kanan and Ezra going back to the ghost and explaining this to Hera.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Hera's going to be pissed.
1: Yeah, that's going to hurt.
0: She'll understand, though. Especially since Hera's the one who, like, asked her. I think that moment in the previous episode where she asks Sabine, like, You know, I don't want to ask this of you, but I have to. But I have to. Yeah. And the look of betrayal on Sabine's face and that visceral reaction she had was probably the point that I had the most emotional reaction in that episode. And Hera's going to feel awful about this.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some uh, room for character discovery there where we you know I could see her wondering if she didn't drive Sabina away and in, in that moment
0: oh man it's such good I mean the thing I love about rebels the thing I love about everything is that it it's it's just such a deep layered storytelling that the more you pay attention to it the deeper you can go and the more fascinating conversations you can have I mean not to say that I am good at giving fascinating conversations but exploring it with the two of you is fascinating to me
2: Thank you. You know what else I really liked in this episode was when Ezra was trying to make conversation, make friends. Yeah. And, and Kate is like, no, Ezra, and this is, less is more. I thought that was great. Like trying to teach him a lesson even then.
1: Yeah. Ezra doesn't really have a sense of uh, when to stop
2: talking. And this is, the mom was pretty harsh. So he's calling him the boy. My dad called me growing up. Tell the boy to go do this.
0: <laughs> That's what I call Anakin. Anakin's still the boy. Yeah. It's not a harsh thing. It's just like he's the boy. He's the only other one in the house.
1: Except for the cats.
0: No, the cats are boys, but they, uh, they're they fancy gentlemen, not boys. <laughs> they wear top hats and stuff? I have pictures of both of them in bow ties. Nice. Monocles? No, they would not stand for that. Cats they, do not stand they, for, they don't stand Monocles, for Holly. Monocles Holly. Maybe, you your, know this.
1: maybe your cats don't. Stand.
0: You've got one. How many of your cats would stand for a monocle? Two. Two of how many? Five. Yeah.
2: Would you be taping duct taping it to their heads?
1: No, I would do something more creative than that. But I bet we could work it out.
2: Put it, put another thing on your list, Holly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fancy cats. And then
2: there'd be a huge market for cat monocles and you'd be set.
1: No, there's not a huge market for cat monocles.
2: I don't know. It's cuz they haven't been out yet. There you go. I was going to ask earlier, um what was your favorite part of the episode, Holly?
1: this is going to be perhaps silly because it has nothing to do with the plot. I love like literally kind of went, Ooh, when that Klimt esque portrait of Countess Ursa was revealed.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I really loved that. Oh, it's so
2: pretty. How about you, Brian?
0: Um, you know, I really, um, you know, I really like the quiet moments between parents and children. Like, I think Star Wars is at its best when it's dealing with intergenerational issues, whether that's um, in uh, Phantom Menace, where you've got the intergenerational uh, problems between the Jedi, and the, or like the Masters and the Padawans and the, those sorts of generations of Jedi, like between Obi-Wan and Anakin, or between Anakin and Luke in the classic trilogy, or between a generation of freedom fighters that are fighting the wars that their parents couldn't end for them. And the scene with Countess Ursa Ursa, there's so many like bear like names in these
2: Yeah. In all of Star Wars. Yeah. So similar.
0: Um Countess Ursa and Sabine on the platform kind of having their very frank discussion with each other. Like I think it was some of the best work Tia's had ever done. Um I think it it kind of cut to the emotional core of the episode in a way that I wasn't expecting. And and uh it was either that or just the really cool, like, fight on the ice. I really love the visual of the ice breaking under their feet as they're fighting.
2: That was cool. I actually have to say same with you. The the one I would have picked, the same would have been with Sabine and her mom. And uh, they're so combative towards one another. And then Sabine kind of gives up and, and leans against the, the railing. And then her mom kind of mirrors it like they're both, like, exhausted from the, the conversation. They're trying to, you know, not be that way and they kind of give up on that with each other and kind of relax a little bit. I, I, I really like that. It was a really neat shot.
0: The animators are doing a really great job of, of capturing emotion in these characters. I don't know if they've updated the models or something, but they, they have a, lo- a much wider range of emotional possibility now than they seem to have had in Season 1, and I don't know if that's the animators just becoming more accustomed to the way they can make these characters emote or if they've got better models or what, but they're like they're selling the performances in a way that's just they're knocking that out of the park.
2: Yeah, even the scenes with her brother, them sparring and him, you know, she said that you know she always put him in his place. It's been a long time since she's done that, and then he was able to get one up on her in the battle. I like that too, because he had a lot of anger and a lot of he was upset about a lot of things. And their father, I mean, we didn't even touch up on that. Their father's what essentially a captive on Mandalore. And there's so much at stake that if they would fight back, that he'd be killed.
0: Another thing I liked about this episode is that there's a lot of people who um, are fans of how Mandalore was portrayed in the old expanded universe, particularly in the Legacy of the Force books and the work that Karen Travis was doing with the Republic Commandos and and just Mando society in general in this um for one it gave us some elements of that it gave us some elements of mandoa the language that the mandalorians speak it gave us the idea that they're they're widening the mandalorian culture enough that the stories of the cultures of the clans that we saw in those books could exist just on different planets it seems like mandalorians kind of roam around the galaxy in clans and that all of the different sorts of culture of Mandalorians that we read about could be true. We just haven't seen them in the new Canon yet. Um, if any of that just made sense.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, and I agree. I mean, I think there are some really, I, I like the way that they're choosing to sort of carefully flesh out that, that, um, that culture, I guess this is the word I'm looking for. Uh, you know, we're not getting like a big dump of, Of information all at once, but just they're meeting out these lovely little, uh, you know, expansions to our knowledge, quite
2: rich. I also think that towards the end, after the fight, Sabine saying that that may be the Mandalorian, (gasps) it's not her way anymore. Yes. I think that says so much as far as how they have to change a little bit to make things better. Like the Mandalorian way got them where they are kind of, sort of, you know, so they have to have a little bit of give. It showed how strong she is. Like, I never got any kind of weakness from from her, except for when she was trying to use the the Darksaber and she, not that she was giving up, but she was having a rough go with it, but it really showed her strength to, to ha- be in that situation. She could hear the Emperor in her head, do it! And she could have took his head off, but she didn't.
0: Well, I mean, he was going to die anyway. I mean, if, if, I'm almost not sure why she didn't, though. I mean, she kills Imperials all the time. He's a traitor to Mandalore. He's a traitor to the everything that's good in in the galaxy um i don't know who she was trying to prove that point to because it certainly wasn't gar saxon
2: i don't know i stand by what i said i think that she needed to show that because some things are going to have to be compromised
1: yeah i mean it could be as simple as because he even though he is a traitor to mandalore he is from her same culture she doesn't maybe want to be a vengeance killer um you know, there are a few things you could explore in terms of why that would be a different situation for her than killing an Imperial in the heat of battle.
0: I thought, I really did think, I liked the echo of, of that in Revenge of the Sith, where she had both sabers against his, his yeah neck, yeah. and that was really great. That's just like a thing, I guess, that happens in Star Wars a lot. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to do it, that's the way I'd go. That's the way you'd want to be killed? Yeah. Painless.
2: Cool-ass sabers. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I really like
0: the dark saber.
2: I do. I've always loved it. In, in in Clone Wars the way it would move when Maul had it or when Pre Vizsla had. It. I just love the animation how it would move. I it do so too. Cool.
0: Yeah, I would. I would very much like to see more of it. I was surprised we got to see it at all. Um, I really, I, I'm excited by some of the things we've been seeing a lot of, and and you reminded me of this, Holly, when you were talking about the painting of the Countess. Um, <clears throat> I remember a few episodes ago, there was that lovely painting of S- Satine that Maul had had yeah. defaced. Yeah. And the painting of Hera. Um, the painting of Hera. I-, I wonder if this is just something that they've done thematically through the course of this season, because Thrawn is there to make a concerted effort to show us the art of the cultures that we're looking at so that we can, we we're paying attention to it in a way that we hadn't before because it didn't exist before. But now because Thrawn is on the scene and that's his shtick that it has to be there and present, even subtly for us to be able to, to divine things about it.
2: This is those moments where it's hard to be doing a podcast because everybody thinks at the same time. And
1: uh-huh. <laughs> silence. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And I, you know, I love art. So I love seeing these representations of each of the cultures. Like it is a big inform inf, ha. It is a big piece of information to see how uh different cultures and different societies represent their leaders through their their art and portraiture. So it was sort of a, a like I said, I mean I literally was like, ooh, when that came on screen.
0: I uh, that. I would love a print of that. Oh, continue though. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say, particularly for Mandalore, uh, we're getting a a bigger sense of what a complex culture it really is. You know, for a long time, at least in the the official canon stuff, what we knew of them was that they could be ruthless and that they were very skilled and very powerful. But it's really nice to also see this appreciation of art and design uh, that kind of informs all of that.
0: Yeah, very much. I love the architecture of their buildings. I was actually, I think my breath was taken away when it cuts to the shot of the complex over the lake. Yeah, and it that, was like it was that glass. and Oh, it's gorgeous. It was yeah. something like out of like for a minute I was thinking like this is the sort of base I would expect a James Bond villain to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it felt like uh, like Blofeld's uh, complex in Honor Majesty's Secret Service almost uh, isolated out in the mountains, uh, snow everywhere. I was kind of hoping there would be a great ski chase, you know, <laughs> out of it. Just because that's what it was setting me up for, but but even that the architecture was was really interesting and 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 fascinating, and that kind of folds into that idea that that we're seeing a better look at the art of these these places as well. But Mandalore, it goes all the way back to the original episodes, right? Where you know the uh, the diamond sort of middle of the breastplates of of Boba Fett's armor, um, you realize that that's something that's that's like a symbol that's. Um, common through Mandalorian architecture and you see it all over Mandalore uh, in Satine's like throne room kind of area it's represented everywhere it's in the clothes even when they aren't hard pieces of armor it was it's fascinating that they're actually like reverse engineering symbology around something like Joe Johnston just kind of sketched out and built sure so there's some things at Star Wars Celebration I want to talk to you guys about or both of you I don't want to say you guys Holly you're not a guy
1: Uh, I I don't I don't mind the you know, it's I I, I'm uh, trying
0: to be more sensitive about that.
1: Well, I was going to say, though, you know, having uh, taken lots of French classes, like sometimes you need to pick a a (laughs) pick one to go with plurals. And I'm fine with that.
0: So anyway, Star Wars Celebration, there is a thing going on that uh, I think Full of Sith is a part of uh in In some ways, some larger, some smaller, uh but drowning in moonlight is an event that a whole bunch of podcasters and bloggers have put together as a charity event for Carrie Fisher, and it's being held during Star Wars celebration, and I think there's going to be a giant like podcast situation going on that night. Amy is going to be hosting the evening, so yeah. everybody, everybody who listens to the show knows and loves Amy. And if you don't, um, I would question your, your taste and your judgment.
1: Yeah, suspicious if you don't.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think Holly and I are going to be talking on the podcast. Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of podcasters, like pretty much everybody. Toshi Station is kind of putting it together along with the Podcast Alliance, which was Tyler Westhouse. And uh, tickets are on sale. You can go to, uh, I don't know what this website is. You can go to Eventbrite and look up Drowning in Moonlight and buy tickets for it, and all the proceeds of the tickets go to um, the Midnight Mission, which was a uh, charity that that Carrie Fisher did work for. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Also, it's just a good excuse to dress up.
0: Yeah, there will be some dressing up.
1: It's exciting.
2: What was the date on that? Which night that which
0: night was that? That is April 13th it's the Thursday okay and I mean it's one of those nights like Thursday night at the con is one of those nights where a whole bunch of podcasters and listeners get together anyway so if yeah. everybody wanted to treat this like an unofficial listener party and we happen to be paying to be have that privilege and hang out and uh, it's for a good cause yeah, exactly give some money to to that like uh, I think that would be great I would love I'm, to meet everybody there
2: I'm excited yep definitely do it Alright, well let's uh I sent each of you an email to read
0: each and then I'll read one and then we'll get out of here.
2: Okay. Okay. Who wants to go first?
0: I'll go first then. So okay. um first we have an email from Ben Stein, and I'm assuming this is not the Ben Stein that's that's Ben Stein like you could win his money or the horrible Bueller. person who is a Bueller Nixon speechwriter
2: economist.
0: <laughs> um but Ben Stein, the excellent, amazing listener and probably excellent person. Uh, dear Brian and Holly, you're out of this one, Mike. Uh, what a delightful show this week. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasant departure from the bustle of Star Wars news. We're living in an era of activity that still feels a bit unusual. Anyway, I would choose to live on dantooine at least during a peaceful era. I really enjoyed the setting in Knights of the Old Republic. Thanks for the show, and I hope Mike's feeling better. I hope to meet you at Star Wars Celebration. My son Finn and I will be there. Um Thank you for the email, Ben. And uh I would. Like, I can't wait to meet every listener who wants to meet me uh, out there. I think. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about Star Wars Celebration. And my favorite look at Dantooine was the Gendi Tarkovsky Clone Wars series. You remember that the, oh, the sequences yes. with uh, Mace Windu, like cutting down droids like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. That was awesome.
1: It Was excellent.
0: So thank you for the email, Ben.
2: Uh, Holly, you want to read your mail?
1: Sure, I have one from our listener Mario, and he says, "Hey Brian, Holly, and the Mike Pilot. I hope you feel, but I hope you get feeling better, man. Uh, gr- great podcast, one of my faves. Nominated you guys on many accounts for the podcast awards. Thank you. That's so sweet. Uh, as for as far as planets, ideal characters, and such, it is certainly Naboo for me, and I would love to be in Thee. I look up to Qui Gon Jinn. He was the consummate Jedi." No concern about prestige, but on truth. And as you can probably tell, The font, the Phantom Menace is tops for me. As a fan, of course, I love them all, but The Phantom Menace stole my heart. I wish it wasn't so hated. Keep up the great podcast, guys. I love every minute of it. Thank you so much, Mario. I love The Phantom Menace, too.
0: I love The Phantom Menace 3. I like The Phantom Menace.
2: <laughs> I do, it's a decent movie.
0: Well, that would, that would be an interesting... Uh, time to point out that uh, in the next week or two, I have uh, called for a Jar Jar episode.
2: Yeah, yeah. Brian blew this big horn and he yelled from the top of the mountains in Salt Lake City and said, "I decree we're having a Jar Jar episode."
0: Well, there's been so, some news so from the new that. aftermath book, but I don't want to get into it until more people have read it. So we're gonna we're gonna wait to talk about it until after the book is out. But uh, Phantom Menace is great. Jar Jar's appearances on Clone Wars are great, uh, and we find out a little bit more about Jar Jar in Aftermath, Empire's End, and uh, I really can't wait to talk to everybody about it.
2: I'm going to read an email, and this is from uh, my good friend Matt. Anyway, dear Full Sith, just wanted to say welcome to Holly. She's a great addition to the show. Second, I wanted to pass along an episode request from my five-year-old Nathan. We listen to the show together regularly and we are on our way to school or running errands, and in addition to your show generating countless questions, he loves the weekly intro. I often have to play it three or four times before we can get into the discussion. He has been getting into Clone Wars lately, and while we're listening to your discussion of the Special Edition's 20th anniversary, 20, oh my God, he groaned, uh, Dad, when are they going to talk about Clone Wars? I told him I wasn't sure, but this episode would be about the Special Edition, so probably not during this episode. So he asked if I could send a letter to make his request for him. So on behalf of my five-year-old Nathan, I'm asking for a discussion on Clone Wars. Even more amusing to me, I told him I would text his request to Mike and Brian, and not 50 minutes later, mentioned that there are many young fans who really only know Anakin from the Clone Wars. He asked, uh, did they get your letter? So thank (laughs) you for doing that, and um, I always enjoy your discussion. So Matt uh, sent that in. So yeah, let's make his son happy at some point here.
0: Yeah, no, I... Go ahead, Holly. I
1: just said that
2: sounds like a good plan. Nathan's uh, a good kid. Let's make him happy.
0: I really like talking about Clone Wars, so we can talk about Clone Wars some more. Um, especially, so for people who might not know, uh, at this point it looks like Clone Wars is going to be dropping off of Netflix March 3rd. Uh, oh. And so I would suggest that you binge watch all of it now while you can, because if you haven't, or if you've procrastinated about it, I can't tell you how much better Star Wars or how much better Star Wars is for the Clone Wars. So if Netflix is your only shot to watch it, get watching.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I Like I've said many times in the past, I was late to the party on Clone Wars, but once I did get into it, I loved it. And we reference Clone Wars each and every week, if not several times a show. So if you haven't seen it, you're missing out. I think you should get into it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes me curious whether or not that's going to end up on some other streaming service. Uh, and I don't know, like I've noticed that uh, Hulu suddenly has a lot of Disney properties, so I don't know if there's some deal going on there where it will switch over there. I literally have no idea. It would seem weird if they offered it nowhere streaming at this point in time, technologically. Um, but as far as we know, this is this is your shot.
2: Get it done. You'll regret it. Because I, I have to tell you, I've felt so at peace knowing that at any given time I could start up Netflix wherever I was and watch whatever episode I wanted now. Yeah had to reinvest in the Blu-rays because I'd like being able to watch Clone Wars
0: whenever I want to. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've got I've got the Blu-rays because I... You're a better Star Wars fan. Yes, no, I know. No, it's not. It, it's my personal <laughs> thing where I'm terrified that if I count on something being on a streaming media platform, that the second I sit down to watch it, it's going to be gone. So for the things that are super important for me, I just don't like to rely on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wanted to buy the family food that week, so I went with the food. It was a poor choice. <laughs> my bad. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up, and I'm not bullying Brian. I'm just playing with my friend. He's a good guy. Brian, I don't tell them I'm just playing with
0: you. Uh, Mike <laughs> is just playing with me.
2: Yep. That is a, that's a good episode. I had fun, guys. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I missed you guys last week. But I have to tell you, I, I did. I really enjoyed listening to the episode. Usually when I when I edit stuff, I peace listen or I make notes where I need to edit things. And I actually listen the whole way through and I enjoyed it. And I know a lot of other people did. There's some more emails that I will forward along to you guys about what planets people would live on. So look forward to those.
0: I would yeah. love to hear people send, it, send us in their reasoning on the SpeakPipe app on the website so we can listen to it. Yeah.
2: Or yeah. they can record it on their own machine and just email it in, too. Whatever oh. works best for you. That SpeakPipe app on the iPhone, I'm telling you, it's not its not terrible. It actually works pretty good. Like when I'm sending files to other people, I just call our SpeakPipe app, and it's very simple. So, uh, Holly, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you on the interwebs? Sure.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at SurliestGirl. You can find my day job podcast, Stuff You Missed in History Class, at so Mistinhistory.com uh and i also co-host a podcast called authentic history with brian young of all people
0: that's crazy
1: which is
2: what drives me nuts about people thinking that brian's mean to you like or he thinks you're a bad person (laughs) why would brian waste like several hours a week talking to you if he thought you were a terrible person
1: i know right uh yeah so they can visit us at 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 fauthentics on twitter if they want to keep up with that
0: it's somehow me who's convinced holly that i'm not a terrible person
1: I think what it is Brian is that we're both terrible people and we have a kinship through our darkness.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> that kind of awfully grim just like
2: Yeah, I feel less about myself just hearing it.
0: Right. Brian, what about you? Where can people find you? People can find my writing at com, and you can uh if you like short stories from me, you can support me for as little as $1 per short story on my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash swankmatron. Find me on Twitter at swankmatron. And uh, that's pretty much where you can find all my stuff. You can find uh, musings from me weekly at starwars.com. I just had a playlist go up about uh, all the places you can find Saga And it's surprisingly a lot more than you'd think um, in the Star Wars canon. And uh, what else am I missing? I do that show for Authentic History with Holly this week we've got a good show about the death star you should check out. Ooh. Yeah, we did our last Star Wars episode with Tar- was Tarkin and this one's yeah. the death star It makes a nice set. Yeah, nice. I don't know what our next Star Wars episode's going to be. That's all that that ball is in Holly's court.
1: I know but I'm not telling yet. Okay. And our our next non Star Wars one is going to get a little creepy, eepy.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. It's uh it was a really good episode. Holly Holly's a better writer than I am. I I'm, a, I'm a worse person, but she's a better writer.
2: Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> You're both decent writers and decent people. Get over yourselves. If you want to uh, give us a call, you can use the Speedpipe app on our website, which is fullsith.com, and you can find our contact information like our Twitter at fullsith, at the mic, at swankmotron, at surliest girl. Also go to facebook.com slash full of Sith and like us there, and facebook.com slash groups slash full Sith and get in on all the conversations that are happening there daily. And then, of course, uh, holocron at fullofsith.com to email us, or if you want to record your own voicemail and send it in that way, that's a pretty easy way to do it. So um, iTunes reviews, all that good stuff that we say every week. And um, that's going to be episode 205 of Full of Sith for my great co-hosts who are kind of monsters, Holly Fry and Brian Young. I am the mic pilot. May the Force be with you always.
0: If
1: you'll not be meeting
0: me. I'll close down for a while. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! Uh-huh, in my dentist's office, more than once actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I
1: never win and tell.